National Fire Radio. National Fire Radio presents. I wish my head could forget what my eyes have seen. Ten years ago, the groundbreaking firefighting movie Burned took audiences closer than they'd ever been. Into the fires and into the lives of the men who fight them. Ten years in the making, the long-awaited follow-up is finally here. The workload has increased and manpower has decreased. Burn X explores stories and characters you've never seen before and continues the journey for many of the Detroit firefighters you met in the first film. Fire Class 2019. Yes, Order your two-disc ultimate edition of Burn X on DVD and Blu-ray at burnstore.com or get it for streaming and download on iTunes, Apple TV, Amazon, Google Play, and Voodoo. What is a man's worth that doesn't make the world a better place? Taylor's Tins, one of the best there is. A good friend of ours and supporter of National Fire Radio. He comes up first in a lineup of sponsors because he means that much to me. Taylor's been with us from day one. I hit him up on day one and said, brother, I love your shield. I love what it represents. I'd like to give them out to all of our podcast guests. And from day one, almost five years ago, we've been issuing Taylor's Tins to all of our guests as a keepsake and recognition for their willingness to share some time and their story with us in our community at National Fire Radio. These aluminum helmet fronts, they change the market. They're revolutionary in what they do. Even if you're a traditionalist with the leather shield, the aluminum shield offers so much when it comes to durability, cleanliness, decon, they can do it all with the aluminum shield. Their customer service, let's talk about that for a minute, where things usually take several weeks now to get your hands on them from the from conception to manufacturing process and out the door and onto your helmet. Taylor can turn around orders within 48 hours, whether it's a 500-piece shield order for your department or a one-off customized shield. Taylor's doing them, and he's doing them within 48 hours, and they're getting out the door. It's not just helmet shields. Nope, there's more. They got locker tags, carbon monoxide meter, you know, data sheets. They have pump data sheets, pump tags, locker tags, street signs, banquet gifts. You name it, the list goes on and on. Check them out at taylorstins.com. That's where they conduct business. You can hit them up on the chat right there. They walk you through the process of designing your custom Taylor's Tin from the website. So go to taylorstins.com, check them out. They represent the very best of what the American Fire Service is all about, and I'm proud to have them as a sponsor of the National Fire Radio platform. And in the words of Taylor and his crew, stop burning up leather. Hey, everybody, Jeremy, National Fire Radio, back at it on the podcast today. My partner in crime, Robert Ridley. What's up, buddy? What's going on, Jeremy? Oh, another day. It's always fun to get you on here with me. We got to do more of this. And uh, I think two to three times a week, you and I should be recording an episode. What do you think? I uh, Yeah, yeah. I, I think that I'm pretty available <laughs> for that. So. All right. Well, hey, have your people contact my people. We'll figure it out. All right. I like that. No, definitely, man. I think um, I think when you and I get together and, and put these episodes together, um, there's a good message that comes out of them. So we've always had a good flow, and uh, we got to keep doing it. So I enjoy it, and we got to get back in the studio too. That's something else we got to get to. Yes, yes. The studio is. Uh, this is fun, but. The studio is much more fun. I agree with you. It's a full day. We usually do, what, three episodes a day when we're in the studio, so it's uh, jam-packed all day long, but it's a lot of fun. So Plus yes. the direction of said 
telling us where to sit and how to look in front of the camera is always, I mean, that's really the, the highlight of, of the, the experience right there. Uh, that's certainly part of it, no doubt. I mean, yeah. it takes a lot to make <laughs> us look good. Um, and even that, we don't really look that good, but uh, no. his no. direction certainly helps. What When we do this, though, this is nice because nobody gets to see what we look like. I mean, I'm literally in my pajamas right now. And, uh, you, know, you know, that's it, man. It's behind the microphone. Nobody knows. 4.30 on a Sunday afternoon, you're in your, your pajamas. You're doing it right. It's been a really good day today. What uh, can I tell you? But anyway, listen, let's hop into it because uh, we try to keep these episodes on the shorter side. So it's a nice listen. The feedback we're getting is incredible. Uh, people enjoy these episodes because they can they can give them a listen to or from work. And we're keeping them under an hour. So it's just a good length of time for people to be able to complete it in one sitting. So super cool. I recognize that. And so we're going to we're going to do our best to keep it to that uh, format. Rob, today we're going to hop back into that imposter syndrome. We're going to revisit it. Um, I want to give a little background as to why we're going to revisit it. Um, About two weeks ago, you and I released an episode where we talked about imposter syndrome. Don't skip the process, right? And the conversation between you and I about imposter syndrome was really our own mindset in that terminology and not really diving into the actual medical, psychological uh, definition of it. And so after that episode aired, which did very well, and a lot of people had listened to it, uh, we went in a different direction than, in fact, what imposter syndrome, I guess, truly means. And so, you know, at no malice on our end, it was just a matter of we kind of coined the phrase and, and dove into it in our own way, not knowing that there is this whole background to actual imposter syndrome. And so we had a couple people reach out uh, through direct messages, through emails, uh, a couple text messages, a number of people reached out and said that it's an incredible topic to talk about. Nobody really talks about in the fire service. However, you and I really didn't talk about imposter syndrome. We talked about other things. So <laughs> give, me your, give me your little feedback on that. And then I want to hop into the actual meaning of imposter syndrome and what that's all about. Go ahead. Yeah, no. So, like we 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 talked about imposter syndrome or what we thought of it last week, and that whole definition of skipping the process and you know coming in and not letting your guard down, almost to the point of like at a fault of thinking that you know or showing that you know because you're afraid that you're going to look like an idiot or whatever else, you know, and and not really have maybe your best game or your best light and not accepting mistakes and being part of that process because making mistakes yeah. and, and learning is all about. But the other side of the, uh, like the, the true, I guess we would say the technical definition on, on the imposter syndrome is actually something that affects everybody from the rank of firefighter to the rank of officer, whether you're a lieutenant, a captain, or you move up the chain to, you know, whether it be a deputy chief assistant or a chief of department, and even into the fire service instructor world, um, you know, you, you can get this actual imposter syndrome um, going because it's like, in its true definition, it's, you know, in my own words, you're you're doing you're you're doing your job, but you feel that you're not uh, you're not qualified, or maybe maybe it's not uh, people are looking to you as the expert, and you kind of get in your own head about it. But um, you know, it's 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 an interesting thing because I think we've all experienced it at some point. 
Well, let me uh, let me let me dive in so we can so we can yeah. get the conversation rolling, right? So the actual definition of it, right? Uh, it's a it's a couple things here. I'm online right now looking up a couple different websites because I wanted to make sure that I had it correct myself. Did a little background on it. Imposter syndrome is that uncomfortable feeling of uncomfortable feeling you experience when you think you're unqualified or incompetent. You might look around and assume everyone knows what they're doing except you. And if you achieve something good, you chalk it up and your accomplishments, you chalk that up to good luck. Right. And then it goes on to say, like, uh, it's an internal psychological experience in which one believes they are not competent as others perceive them to be as if you're a fraud. To put it simply, imposter syndrome is the experience of feeling like a phony in some area of your life, despite any success that you have achieved in that area. A fraud. That's hard, man. Yeah, yeah. That's a uh, that that that's a man. That's a tough one. So, so we had a lot of people. Not a lot, but I mean, we had a handful of people reach out to us after the episode we released two weeks ago. And they hit on this and they said that this topic deserves some attention because there's a lot of people in our industry. I shouldn't say a lot, but there are people in this industry that feel this way. And some people gave me some personal experiences and and stories as to why and, and how they do. I find a lot of it, a lot of the storytelling came from uh, officer positions to instructors. I didn't get a lot of people reach out to me, tell me a story as in as a firefighter and, and feeling this way. But I think this goes hand in hand with as you go up the chain, whether it's in a career side of promoting up or it's in the volunteer side of being elected up into a position, right? And oftentimes you could potentially feel that you're not qualified for that position and yet you sit in that position. Yeah, yeah, very much so. I think too also when you get into that position, all of a sudden you put the pressure on yourself that those around you expect you to have the answers. And if you don't have those answers, like one, how do you handle that? And then two, you know, like the the other side of that coin, I guess really is that's when that that whole like feeling like a fraud is, uh, you know, starts to kind of creep in a little bit. Do, do you think, like, so let's start, you you kind of set the framework of starting a, a firefighter talk, and then we're going to get to the officers, and then we'll we'll slide into maybe instructors, right? And so mm-hmm. on the ground level, as a backstep firefighter, the, the potential of feeling like a fraud, I don't think is, I think it's a little bit easier there. I think that is a lot more in your self-control, meaning that you're not, and this refers back to the original conversation we had, is that if you're being true to who you are and your experience level and speaking to such level and operating in a proficient manner that represents your experience and skill set, you're really not going to set yourself up for any type of imposter syndrome, if you will, only because it just it doesn't work that way, right? Like imposter syndrome is being in a position and not feeling qualified or or have the abilities to to do said position. As a firefighter, we 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 you should be at that level of being proficient and good at your job. No, I, I think if we looked at the skill set, we could easily check check that off in a box and say yes, you're you're completely right. But I think that as we look at the American Fire Service, what's the one thing that's a constant when it comes to firefighters? They're being pushed into positions that they're not normally in. 
AKA like that junior senior man, all of a sudden, right. That junior firefighter who, you know, a couple of years ago, he was working with the old guys or as a senior man. And now all of a sudden for a change of events, you know, the five-year guy is now the senior guy. And, you know, maybe the fire service is kind of starting to put the pressure on him to act in that manner, but he's not, he's not right. He or she is not ready. And then they're, starting to do that and they, in their back of their mind they're going hey i i only have i got five years on but man do i feel that pressure of having to do this and then you know they're kind of walking the walk and they're talking the talk but they they know what it is that they bring to the table and everybody's kind of pumping them up at the same time you know that's so I think a it, really good point keep going keep going no and it's like we you know i've, I've certainly seen it myself and my my own department because we had a huge influx and turn, uh, turnover of personnel, but especially with promotions and everything else. But like, even you look, I think there's an issue in the American fire service in some of the larger cities and municipalities where they're going to have a huge turnover of personnel in the next couple of years. And when you're talking about jobs that are going to try to fill, you know, 200 to 300 positions, I think like we were out at, you know, Firehouse Expo, I think of those guys from Fairfax and when they were going over the numbers of people that they're going to have to put into classes, that's a lot of people coming on. And, you know, even though that's a, like a larger department, you're still going to like, that's a huge influx because if you figure, you know, whatever percentage of those folks that are retiring are, are in management of some sort, whether they're a lieutenant, you know, company officer, chief, et cetera, the people who are going to move up into those positions as they retire out and then just the positions in the uh, companies themselves as the senior firefighters, there's going to be a vacuum there and so, who's going to step up. Yeah. So, okay. So let me break this down that a little bit, right? Because I don't want to get too far ahead in the conversation. So yeah. let's break this down, right? Firefighter, junior man, senior man. I, mm-hmm. I didn't put a lot of thought to the senior man position and you really, you really hit on something there. I think twofold. I think, one, any junior man, anybody that's in the fire service within their first few years that are getting their, their hands dirty and immersing themselves in the culture, I don't think you have to or should be in a position to have anything in regards to imposter syndrome because you can fix that yourself. Meaning Correct. it's basic skills, basic firefighting, and you learn the more you immerse yourself in the culture, you can seek training, you can seek conversation, you can surround yourself with good people, and that should allow you to perform proficiently and, and professionally at your job. Where where then, from the junior man to that senior man, this is the really interesting conversation on the firefighter level, is then the informalness, the, the informal, formal senior man, right? Because it's not an elected position, it's not a promotable position, it basically falls upon the guy that has the most time or represents the very best of the job, right? So maybe it's not the guy that's got 25 years in the house. Maybe it's the guy that has 20, 20 years in the house, but he just, he, he represents the house better, the culture better, and, and is into the job more than a 25-year guy. So there's an informal nature of the senior man, and that gets bestowed upon whoever deserves that position. But there's an informalcy to it that, you kind of get thrusted into that position whether you want it or not. Yeah. If if there's the ability for the, you know, for the, I'll, I'll say like the company officer or the company to make the choice and say like, hey, like that, like I, in that example, like of the 25-year the versus the 20-year guy, 
that's 100% you're, you're right there. But there's also the ones where you don't get a choice at all because all of a sudden time has just made it that way. Yes. You know, and then you're, you know, and uh, like, and, and even that, like, I, I know there'll be like 20 year people who'd be like, Hey, I'm not the senior guy, but I think the departments were all of a sudden, you know, we used to joke in Fairview, uh, like in Fairview, we were the junior man association, you know, and we were like, I was uh, the, like the senior junior man kind of thing. And then all of a sudden we, we were all senior people and we were like, Whoa, how did this happen? You know? And it, it and it literally went overnight, but I, I don't, I don't know if that, that one with 20 years, that, that doesn't concern me as much as the one who's going to be in, even like at 10 years on, you know, yes. now all of a sudden there's this burden. It's a, it's a blanket of responsibility that, like you said, it's not voted, it's not promoted, but you're put into it and you have to do it. You do. And so then begins that, that inward, that inward look of doubt. And you start doubting yourself that maybe this is not the position for me. Maybe I'm not qualified or competent to be able to handle whatever is asked of me or, or the informalness of this job being able to correctly address situations that require my influence, right? Because, I mean, that's what he is. I mean, the senior man is truly an informal boss who controls the tempo and takes care of the business that the officer doesn't need to take care of, right? The company officer, right? I mean, typically that is the goal of the senior man. It's this this uh, in, this uh, non, non-sanctioned position that has a little more latitude to get shit done. Right. I, I always looked at the senior the senior firefighter like was, you know, the NCO of the military. They're the ones who run the shift. Like they are the ones who are always going to make sure, you know, like they're going to make the company look good. They're going to make the officer look good as long as they're deserving and they're doing their job. Like it all always all comes, comes together. Right. Yeah. But that you said that doubt, like now you throw somebody into that position and that company officer relies on them a little bit. And, and I think, it either happens where they're corrected and, 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 you know, and, and the company officer says, Hey, like you're the senior guy and you've got to do this. And then that's when that, like, so that blanket of responsibility hits them. And now they're like, Oh crap. Like what else am I missing? What I'm, what else am I not doing? And where we kind of, maybe we screw it up a little bit is we're not, we're not sitting there giving them the support they need so that they, you know, to kind of extinguish that, imposter syndrome you know because it's really like when you look at it industry-wide it can it can can really screw somebody up because that anxiety will override them yeah so let me let me read this right so you might have imposter syndrome if you find yourself consistently experiencing self-doubt even in areas where you typically excel imposter syndrome may feel like restlessness or nervousness and it may manifest in a negative self-talk Symptoms of anxiety and depression often accompany imposter syndrome. But here's my question to you, Rob. Hasn't this always existed? Like in the fire service itself or in life, don't we sometimes get thrusted in? Isn't that the responsibility of firefighters to be put into positions that we may not have the answer to immediately or put in a position where we need to figure it out? I, I think that it's always happened where we've been thrown into a situation where we might not have had the answers, 
but I think maybe 20 years ago when we had the, you know, and I had the start of my career, like looking at some of the senior firefighters who were there to kind of guide the mission along and, 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 and help us get to the end goal. There was communication, you know, and they set expectations out. Now you, you still have the same situation, but you haven't developed into the communication aspect of using, you know, every asset on the team to kind of like, you know, figure that all that out. So that's, that's where it kind of gets tripped up, I think. And I think that's where it, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but you know. Yeah. Well, let me, I mean, are we ever truly ready? Like my, my concern is when we start applying titles and we started, uh, we start putting and and this is my ignorant Jeremy coming out. So bear with me because you deal with this often. Right. And like, you know, I'm a pretty black and white guy. Right. And so, you know, it's that middle ground that I sometimes struggle with because I'm like, well, wait a minute. Like, we're just applying a, a, a title to something that's always been there. And, like, are we ever truly ready to be promoted? Are we ever truly ready to be thrusted into a senior man position or a junior line officer position or the chief of department or an instructor? Like, are we ever truly ready? Part of part of accepting the next step right? Or part of being, uh, I guess where I'm headed with this is as you progress in your career, there's going to be uncertainty, right? And why can't we embrace that uncertainty and not turn it into a negative, but start believing in yourself and stop having the self doubt that you don't belong there. Uh, I, I think it goes into the different, different types of personalities, honestly. Like, but Rob, but- when you got made as a boss, right? As mm-hmm. as a career boss, right of your of your department, did you weren't were you ready? Did you dive no. into it day one and say like I got this? Absolutely not. Right. So, I, but I I think one of the things that I tried to do for myself was um, surround myself with people who were like good mentors. Sure. So, yes. What do we got going on? Squirrel running by? Garbage truck? What probably. is it? Probably. <laughs> Holy crap! Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are we singing? I, I, I think actually they're really upset about the imposter syndrome side of it. They might be. So they might be. But, but my point is right. The, 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 why? What can't we like? Can't we say like a little bit of uncertainty and some self doubt is okay because we're gonna work through it? Because like at some point with imposter syndrome, right? Do we ever come out from underneath it or because we title it like say you get thrusted your you've been on your department eight years. You had a mass exodus to guys. Next thing you know, eight year guy on that shift. You're now the senior man. And you're like, well, my senior man was a 22 year guy and I looked up to him and I wasn't ready to take on his role at eight years. But now here you are. You got two choices. No, you got the choice that you're going to do it. And you're gonna you're gonna grow accustomed to doing it, or you're gonna you're gonna fall. Now, my question my question is, and th- again, this is ignorant, Jeremy, because I know people are gonna be like, you don't understand, you haven't been there, whatever. I what I know is that we have to do the job. And I remember uh, when we were in Texas and we were doing that roundtable, and there was a young officer that stood up. I don't know if you remember this or not. We were in that bar, that theater bar where we couldn't get the sound to work. You remember this? And yeah. 
and a kid stood up and he goes, Hey, he's like, I'm, I'm going to be a next Lieutenant in my department. I got five years on career department. We're growing so fast, new firehouses every, every year, a couple of new firehouses every year. We're growing so fast. We have no culture and tradition because the department's growing so fast. We don't have time to develop that. I'm going to be an officer. I don't know what to do. I don't know if I'm ready. And I think it was Shannon Stone that said to him, if you don't do it, who else is? Right. Now, I guess maybe the, the difference then with imposter syndrome versus, versus that conversation is that you see, here's explain this to me then, Rob, because you're, you're my, you're my smart. You're a lot smarter than I am. Imposter syndrome. You could be doing the job just fine, but you feel that you don't belong there. Correct. Yeah. Like the, so like my, my experience, like my strongest experience with imposter syndrome and it's true definition of what we've read, you know, what they say online and everything else um, was, you know, a couple of years ago, one of the guys in the job, his wife passed away and we went to, we went to uh, a celebration of life uh, for her. And, you know, I had, I had become ordained online as a joke. Like I think every firehouse, you know, there's somebody's like, Oh yeah, you can do it. You, you hop in online and, and it is what it is. And um, at this service, I said, Hey, if the if the chaplain doesn't show up, remember I'm always an ordained minister, and then we start crushing a couple IPAs because that's the kind of celebration of life this person wanted to have. Up until the point where they said, "Hey Rob, uh, they're not showing up," and we're like, "We're five minutes uh, before go time." So I jumped on the computer, wrote something out, came up, and I delivered a eulogy for the, um, you know, for the the departed there, and it, uh, you know, like went very very well it, and in fact it went so well that afterwards family members were coming up to me asking me where to write a check for my church and i had people who actually had very religious backgrounds coming up and having these deep conversations with me and i had an incredible amount of guilt because i was like i am i mean if anybody knows me you can then you know damn well that i didn't study theology and you know go to become a a high priest or anything like that but that guilt was there and it crushed me because even though i did everything correctly you know and i would obviously i didn't take anybody's money for my fictitious church or you know righteous gemstone style thing or whatever else <laughs> but uh but man i felt like a fraud because i had done you know i did right by the family i did right by my my brother firefighter you know and, and made sure that this thing went off without a hitch but whoa, it crushed me. And what got me out of it in the end was calling a, a buddy of mine, Mike Bennett, who worked in the city of Poughkeepsie Police Department. And we were drinking coffee and, you know, Mike's a religious guy. I said, Mike, I'm not trying to, to go down this road, man. Like this happened. And, you know, like, what do I do? And he, he looked at his cup and said, hey, man, the, the, the cup doesn't take credit for the coffee. It's just the vessel in which it was uh, served. And in in this situation, you're the vessel. So accept that. And if you have to be a vessel again, you know, so be it. So like in that, in that sense, that's where like my worst experience of imposter syndrome was. And it took somebody kind of saying like, Hey, it's not that big of a deal. Somebody that I trusted a mentor, if you will, to kind of, you know, I always joke that Mike was my uh, spiritual advisor. Um, but uh, it, it was crazy because it truly stopped me in my tracks, both in my personal life and even professionally because of, just haven't been related to work, you know, and it was really, it wasn't fire, you know, it wasn't stretching a line. It wasn't going into a burning building, but that 
that happened and it man was it was it when it, when i was in the throes of it oh, it, it crippled me yeah so i, I think for mm-hmm, like what ahead. shannon stone said you know somebody's got to do it if not you who yeah you know what that happened to me but who else was going to be there and you have to step up. He's 100% right. Because I think there's some of this that, you know, we bump around. It's awkward. We bump into things, but we, we get, we get, we get the job done. And that's, that's the, like, and yeah. there's a, probably a balance somewhere. Right. But like, that's the, that's the tough part. Is, yeah. It's, it's pretty interesting. I mean, yes, you, I mean, I appreciate you sharing that story because it, it does, you know, bring, make it more realistic just to the, just to hear somebody share an experience where you felt like that. I mean, and, and listen, there's been times in my life, I'm sure that I've, I've had some of this as well. I think what's interesting to me is how we can get people past the self doubt and feeling that they should be, you know, they should be more, or they should be better than they are. Because I mean, I'm, I'm thumbing through and I, I've been doing some reading on this a little bit and there's different levels of this imposter syndrome too. And some of it is pretty funny. Cause when you, when you, not fun. I mean, it's pretty funny when you read it because you start to think of people as you read it, right? Like the perfectionist, the expert, the soloist, right. the super person. These are all different types of uh, people that struggle with imposter syndrome. Like the perfectionist is, unless I'm exactly perfect in what I do, I'll never be good enough, and therefore I'm an imposter, right? Yeah. The expert is hasn't mastered it yet, but he speaks about it. And so he feels like he's a phony, right? Like all of that. And, and it, you could break all that down. But I, what, I'm, what I'm really interested in and what I want to talk about a little bit too, Rob, is empowering people to know that it's okay to have some self-doubt and, some, uh, and to feel that they might not have all the answers. I mean, promotional positions, I asked you about when you became a boss, right? And, and you had said, hey, man. Like, and, and I've been in tons of times in my life where I've taken on a title or a role or a job, and I, I don't feel 100% on it, but learning as you go, figuring it out, I mean, you you got to do it. I mean, you, you don't have the abilities to say no. If you, if, you were, if you didn't take on a task or a responsibility all the time because you weren't certain if you could do it, you would never do anything. Yeah, you'd just be stuck in the mud. And and I don't think that's a that's not a good place to be. We need we need people in the fire service that want to want to accept the challenge. We need people in the fire service to know that they're not going to be the smartest guy, the most talented guy, the most physically fit, the most mental strong. The the list goes on and on, right? Like you're not always going to be that. And so, but you still have the ability to be in a position that can affect change and can affect the the betterment of the job. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, I'm trying to think of the words here. Am I am I being am I just being too black and white? No. I, I, so I, I like what I. One of the big things that I got out of, you know, a conversation with you know my my buddy Mike and everything else is like, and and then what they you know I don't want to say what they say, but there has to be an acknowledgement at some point, and. You know, I, I, what do you mean by that? An acknowledgement of what, or by who? Well, an acknowledgement by yourself. Okay, personal. The yeah. situation that you're in, because, like, for you know, and I use my example because, like I said, like, 
you know, Jerry's mother was there and, and, and Jerry's father was like a Baptist preacher or something like that. So like for her to tell me that I did a really good job and her to start talking to me about my church, I was like, holy crap, like this, this, this thing that I wrote fooled, you know, this is what my mind was thinking, right? Like this thing I wrote fooled the wife of a, of a preacher, like a, a legit preacher who had a church and a congregation and all the, all the stuff that goes with it. Right. Um, but when I go back to my buddy, Mike saying like, Hey, you're the vessel that just delivered the message that day. That's the acknowledgement part of like, all right, like this is okay. And when we have the imposter syndrome, you know, let's say it's something like where you're the perfectionist and until you do it, you know, hundred percent, right. Even though the result gets done, you're not going to be, you know, acknowledging that, that, that you're experiencing that is, is huge. Like the, the, you know, the, the kid in Texas who was, Hey, I got five years on it. I'm going to be the next Lieutenant. Like his simple ability to acknowledge that he's in that position is already, he's winning half the battle right there. More than half the battle. Right. So I think that like, when I say acknowledgement, it's just having that honest conversation with yourself. And, you know, I mean, Confidence and vulnerability then come into play, right? And we, you and I talk about this all the time. But if you're going to admit that you don't know everything or if you're going to put yourself out there and ask that question or stand up in front of 150 other guys and ask that question, that takes a set of cojones. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Because I think what's scary about this a little bit as I, as I read into it and I really get an understanding of it is, is people that feel this self-doubt and feel that they're not worthy of the title or the position or, or to be thrusted in front of people to manage something, right? They personally inside don't feel that they have the abilities or skills or they're worthy of it. At what point, at what point do they come to realize that, no, I do belong here? Like, because that's going to come with time. You might have some doubts going into it. But over time, I'd like to think that they're going to turn around and say, you know what, yesterday I had a little anxiety about this, and today I'm feeling a little bit better. And I, I say yesterday, today, it doesn't happen that fast, obviously. But, you know, not feeling like a, not feeling uh, like you're, you're, uh, you get elected in a volunteer fire department to a lieutenant spot, or you get made as a boss in a career department, you're now you're riding the front seat the next day. And you might feel that, man, I'm not ready for this yet. I'm not worthy of this. I don't have my chops yet. But I have to think, and I want to think that over time, you have the ability to get yourself there. Yeah, I think, you know, one of my big takeaways from going to therapy is that the minute that like if, if I, if I'm in this imposter syndrome state where I'm worried about it, the minute that I start, you know, doing what that kid did in, in, in Texas, you know, I mean, you don't have to stand up in front of a room, 150 people, but you just simply saying, Hey, like I'm acknowledging that this is happening in your brain. That's like a static screen. You know, nothing's coming through. The picture's not clear, but once you say that out loud, you know, now you own, you own that process. You own whatever it is. Yeah. I think that's always one of the first steps in, and in, in getting out of that is that, that acknowledgement and saying that loud because once you do, you control the thoughts. They're, they're not just, you know, pinging around in your brain at a hundred miles an hour. The, the minute that you say, you know, Hey, I think that I feel like an imposter doing this, you know, now you, okay. Hey, cool. All right. You've identified it. Well, why do you feel that way? Like what's going on? And it's like, for me, I know, you know, I, getting promoted. I was, I was worried about all the shit that I didn't know. And there's a lot of stuff that I don't know. There's a lot of stuff you still don't know. 
Right. And, but I also kind of like, when I said like, Hey, I'm worried about this, then it came down to the, you know, my analytical brain kind of taking over and be like, all right, well, you're, you're acknowledging this. So like, you know, you run the hazmat incident tomorrow with the ethyl methyl bad stuff and people are melting in front of you. What are you going to do? I'm going home. That's where I'm going. Right. That's what I'm doing. I'm going to crack open that whiskey. And, I'm going home, no. man. But, uh, you know, you, you, you can like having that vulnerability of, of even being able to go to your own people and be like, I've never seen this before. I don't like anybody got anything. And you know, if not cool, like, all right, let's call some people that do. Or, or at least have the, um, yeah. Uh, yes. Cause then I give myself permission to not have all the answers too. Right. And I think that's, yeah, but like, I have to, either. have you always been like that? I mean, or does uh, that I come, could, does that come with time maturity it marinates longer and longer as you as you grow grayer and balder. Like because that's what, I mean I think of it that way. I, I think I think that in the fire service I was influenced by the people who had answers. There you go, right or wrong, and I wanted to be like them because people looked up to them. But you know the 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 more that I the more that I've been involved in the fire service and in life in general, the faster like if there's one thing growing up in a house full of women made me understand as a kid was that the faster that I admitted, I, I, you know, I didn't know what the, the answer was. Yeah. The, the easier the beatings would be kind of thing. Right. Like, you know, and, uh, but in, in all honesty, like learning that I don't have all the answers, that's a huge thing. Like, you know, cause like I said, I, I wasn't, I, I don't know how those guys got there. And, and I find out some of them didn't have the answers, right. They just, it was all for show. Yeah. So, yeah. So let me, okay, so I want to share this then because I've been sitting here thinking about this and, and you shared a story about being, I put you on the spot about being made and, you know, and so yeah. on in your career. But I want to talk about what you and I do today. And you and I have had this conversation quite often over the last few years. And there are times that I feel unworthy of the situation or, an opportunity that we, I'll talk about me. I don't want to speak about you, but the uh, opportunity that I've been involved with where I'm surrounded by probably some of the best and biggest and brightest and, and most experienced salty firefighters you could possibly find. And I, and I share a stage with them. And right. for me, I start, you know, I was thinking about this today and I'm, I'm, you know, and we've been thinking about you and I talked about this the other day and we said, we got to get back to this topic because people had reached out about it and so on. And I started thinking about it myself. And I, the one guy that reached out to me said that he was an instructor and he was asked to speak uh, and, and put, put on a class on something with some other people. And he said, he looked around at the other instructors and he certainly felt that he didn't belong there. He felt that he was not anywhere near the, the quali you know, qualified as to the other guests that were there to speak and to teach. And it made, it put him in a position that he didn't feel worthy or deserved to be there. Um, and he, you know, and so on. And so that is something that resonates with me because, uh, that was an issue for me for a long time. I don't think it affected my game, but it certainly affected my psyche a little bit. Meaning I would leave events like that and go like, man, I was, so, I'd get over the high of being able to chat with these guys, like, you know, candidly and, and to get to meet them and to know them. And so on. And it was uh, just for me, it's a, a euphoric feeling when I get to come away from these 
opportunities that you and I find ourselves in regularly now because that's that selfish take that I get away from this and that's the fuel that I need to keep pushing this stuff out, right? And so, mm-hmm. like, what I love is that that's, that's the need. That's, that's what I want. That's what I'm looking for. I need that push, right? That's the selfish grab for me. But on the other end, I'm like, Jesus, what am I doing up there with these guys? Like, what do, where do my experiences or where does my career in a fire service allow me to be in, in the same zip code as these guys, let alone speaking alongside of them or to their points or vice versa? And so for me, it's not that I feel, I don't, I don't necessarily feel like a fraud or a phony. I just don't feel worthy of it at times. I will say over the last few years, I don't, I still come away from those experiences and, and uh, opportunities feeling great and having that euphoric high, but I'm, I'm less and less feeling that I'm not worthy anymore. And so I think with time, I've been able to nip that. Um, and, uh, you know, that's just a personal story for me. I mean, it's just, you know, I think I don't, I don't think it matters how strong of an individual you are mentally or physically or anything else. I think everybody has gone through the ups and downs of all of this at one point in their career. Yeah. And, and I think having, having like even, even a little bit of this is healthy for the individual because it keeps you honest. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm going through and I just, you know, it's I think it's a topic that if you're feeling anybody listening to this that is feeling any of this right, the inability or realistically assess your competence and skills, attributing your success to external factors, berating your performance, fear that you won't live up to your expectations overachieving, sabotaging your own success, self-doubt, right? Uh, setting very challenging goals and feeling disappointed when you fall short. These are some characteristics of imposter syndrome. And what I want to say is, and I'm not, trust me, I am not a mental health, uh, uh, you know, professional. I don't have any room to speak professionally on this, but what I will say from a backstep firefighter, a guy that went through the ranks in the volunteer organization, a guy that ran a, a family business, a guy that's doing national fire radio. I've had a lot of different experiences and wore a lot of different hats in my 45 years on this planet. I want to say this, we've all felt that at some point, but I want you to know that you can get out from that, that you can start believing in yourself. I think fulfillment and believing in yourself sets you up for success. And I know that's hard, and I know for some people it's not, it's not the most possible thing right now for them to do or believe. But I have to say this, that take every little success, every little success, take it and add it. And over time, those little successes add up to a good career and a solid foundation. And I think that's part of what you got to look at. I believe wholeheartedly that if you're in the job and you love the job and you're doing what you feel is right at every turn, you're making an impact and you deserve to be where you are. Yeah. I mean, that's goes back like gratitude, right? Yeah. Gratitude there because that's really what, what it's, what it's all about. I, <laughs> Man, listen, in the fire service, you know, a lot of us are in the fire service because we love it. It's not a job. It's not a volunteer hobby. It is a lifestyle. We live it. It's what everything in our life focuses around. Not everybody, but the majority, I think, of people in the American fire service 
are in love with the fire service and it and it's a lifestyle for them. And if it is, don't let it be cut short by self-doubt. Don't let it be cut short in a 25-year career job, right? If it's your career, don't let your don't let your job slip by and you go to retire and have regrets that you didn't fulfill or live out the best of your abilities because you doubted yourself along the way. I think you got to let the process take you a little bit, and I think it's okay to be a little bit vulnerable. It's okay to believe that you don't have all the answers, and I think over time you find it as you go. And I just think that that's important because too many people leave this job not not in love with it like they used to be, and some of that I think can be controlled on our own. Yeah, communicate, communicate, communicate. I think it's uh, you know because it, that's it, it really you know whether it's communicating with yourself, communicating with others, or or getting some mentors and and some people that you can kind of bounce things on. And you know, it, it, like it was funny because I remember you know Captain Dugan saying have your phone a friend, and I'd heard that you know you know many times in my career, but to hear him like give me an you know an idea of of, of him even having that to bounce stuff off of when he was, you know, going through stuff. It's just, you have that, you, you need to have that, uh, that ability to communicate. Cause once you do that, you're going to, you're going to own, own whatever's going on. So hundred percent. Couldn't have said it better myself, man. That's a good way to wrap imposter syndrome revisited by Rob and Jeremy, whether we did it justice or not, brother, it was a good conversation. Thank you. Hell yeah. So listen, um, you and I, we're going to do more of this. And uh, what I want to say to the people that are listening is, one, thank you to the people that reached out. We do read your feedback. We do see your comments and questions. And so please, if you guys have a thought or an idea or something that you hear in one of these shows where you and I did not necessarily represent the entire imposter syndrome uh, you know, setup here, this is, this is why we're revisiting it because uh, listeners – sent us some messages and said, hey, you guys kind of missed the mark. You got to talk about this also. And so that's why we're revisiting this. And we listened. So please, like, share, subscribe, leave a comment, send us a DM on social media, send us an email. Our email is located on the uh, website. You can, it's nationalfireradio at gmail.com. That's the generic one uh, that we all see. And uh, or you could just send us the easiest way, I think, is a DM on Instagram or or an instant message on Facebook. And, and we'd be more than happy to get back and chat uh, and so on. But uh, anyway, Rob, another great episode, pal. Thank you for your your time. And uh, I love you, pal. I'll uh, I'm actually going to see you tomorrow. So that's exciting. Yeah. Good. Awesome. Well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in for another episode of National Fire Radio's podcast. Take it home tonight. Talk about it at the firehouse, at the kitchen table. Talk to people about what we're doing here because as we talk about the job, well, we make the job better. So we'll see you at the next one. Be safe. Jeremy and Rob, National Fire Radio.